0: I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples today. Welcome to Totally Lit, the podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host Kai Garvey. Thank you for listening Hi, everybody. I have my first international guest to share with you. The award-winning Californian poet and writer, Alan C. Jones. Alan is an associate professor of English literature and culture at the University of Stavanger, Norway. As a writer, game developer, and scholar, he takes an interdisciplinary approach to literature. His digital work explores the usefulness of creative writing games that encourage users to experience alternative and non-linear textual experiences, a goal that includes designing usefully creative user interfaces. His novel, Her Death Was Also Water, will be published uh, this This month, November 22, by Midnight Sun Publishing, and his experimental memoir, Inverse, Son of a Cult, is forthcoming in 2023 from Kelsey Books. Her Death is Also Water is a mixture of apocalypse, high seas adventure, and otherworldliness. It tells the story of seven people trying to survive on a small boat in a world completely transformed by an apocalyptic flood. Haunted... By entwined pasts the characters must voyage from a small midwestern town through a world that seems increasingly fantastic each will face their past and some will die and the boat will even float through the miraculous but only 15 year old Charlotte will discover that death is not always death sometimes it is also water I hope you enjoy my chat with Alan <laughs> Jones. Welcome to Totally Lit.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here.
0: You are my first international guest, so thank you very much for joining our listeners. I'm Um,
1: very proud to be your international guest. It's nice to be here in Australia.
0: So you are a Californian associate professor who teaches English Lit and Culture in Norway, and you're chatting to me in Brisbane from Adelaide. Yes,
1: a bit of a whirlwind.
0: Variety. Um, How... How did you come to be here in the Land of Oz sharing your book with us?
1: Well, uh, I don't know where to begin, but um, basically I met in an Australian publisher at a conference in Lisbon, um, and uh, she mentioned that, that I should submit my book, and a year later I did. This was before Corona, and then she accepted it, uh, and that sort of led to uh, me heading down here to do a book launch and a book tour. Um, I've never been to the Southern Hemisphere, let alone. Um, oh, wow! Welcome. Yeah, yeah. So this is a big deal for me. So yeah, I've made a little excuse to uh, to come down here and see. Uh, I've been to. uh I stopped in Singapore, and now I've been to Bali, and on my way out, I'll go to India. So it'll be a pretty, a pretty big wow. trip.
0: Wow, lots of jet lag for you.
1: Yes, yes, for sure. I'm still. I was just napping, actually. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for making some time. I, I had a little nap this afternoon as well. Um, yes. So, can you tell me more about her? Death was also water.
1: Yeah. So it's um it's uh it's, it's it has a lot of stuff going on in it. But basically, it's a post-apocalyptic book about a flood. And there's seven main characters. We get seven points of view. So it's a lot. Um, and they end up on a boat together. Uh, set in America but uh, when it when it comes down to it it focuses on the main character who's a young woman who's lost her sister and it's sort of the story of her coming to terms with that loss um and it sort of parallels that loss with uh humans losing their earth in some ways um but it is a hopeful book it does end with hope I don't want to give anything away, um, but it is a hopeful book. Uh, and it's also an adventurous book, a, a humorous book that tracks the adventures of these characters trying to survive and the adventures that they go on, um, which end up moving from the real towards magical realism as the flood grows and grows, um, both in reality and in the imaginations of the, uh, or, or the, in, the, in the emotional imaginations of the characters as they have to face it.
0: Mm. Okay, and I've been reading that your work is being described as experimental. Can you tell me a bit about how it is experimental?
1: Well, I think partly just my background. I was a poet. Um, I got an MFA in poetry <clears throat> some time ago now, over 10 years ago, and I sort of thought I was going to become a famous poet. I don't know why I thought that, um, but uh, I thought somehow poetry would make me famous, um, but I sort of interested in um, experimental approaches to um, to writing. Um, so this this book, I wrote it six years ago, I started it, and in the very beginning it was very experimental. It was me sitting down each night. I just moved to Norway. I was living alone there in an attic. It was very dark, it was very rainy, um, and I just followed a character uh, for four pages each night. And when I got tired of that character, I would follow a new character. So the first draft was written in five weeks and was very experimental. It was also very unreadable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, over the next six years, I did end up moving it much more towards what I like to think of as a page turner, um, but its roots were very experimental. Uh, even if the final product is much more like a, a mainstream novel, but with a lot of characters and a lot of points of view. So experimental in that sense.
0: And does it have stream of consciousness through?
1: Uh, it does. It, it does the, the The point of view does enter into the different characters' points of views. So and depending on who they are and what they're doing, we do get... we we move closer and closer, especially at the climax. We do move into some perspectives that are perhaps surprising, um, to try to open up what's going on because each character sees it differently. Um, particularly the character who maybe we don't agree with or don't like, um, does not quite see the climax the way we see it. Um, and sort of one of my goals is to open up, uh, perspective on people who we may disagree with. Uh, There is a character who who loves Trump, although Trump is never named, um, and I am not actually someone who in the end loves Trump. Mm. Um, But this character is a strong character who sees certain positives. And it is an American book in some ways where I was trying to explore some things that are going on, um, but I tried to also make it speak to uh, the world at large in terms of the environment. Um, Yeah.
0: And would you say that your style of writing has been influenced by authors that you've read in the past, or has some of your writing been what you've wanted to create yourself?
1: I mean, I would certainly, I would certainly say I'm influenced. Um, I do remember reading uh, Wiley Cash, who's, a, who's a, a friend of mine who, who writes. Um, he, in one of his books, he writes out the books he was reading. Like, you know, they asked him, what books were you reading while you wrote this book? And because this book took so long to write, over six years, I thought if someone asked me that question, I'd have no idea what to say because I read so many different books books. uh, during this. Um, And I certainly, I study, as a professor, I study modernism, and I love, you know, Virginia Woolf. I love Stream of Consciousness. Um, I study James Joyce. I don't know if I love him, but I find him interesting. Um, So that had some influence, but this is much In a lot of ways, for me, it's much more an attempt to be an approachable page-turning novel. And the only time I really slip into being influenced by those writers is perhaps when I get very close to a character and enter into their thoughts. Right,
0: okay. Um, I've been interviewing more and more artists who are taking an interdisciplinary approach to their work. Um, Have you found that you've been doing that with your work as well?
1: Uh, I mean, depending on what you mean... um, I think in terms of are you speaking of a genre or in terms of the themes in the book? Um, in
0: in um, a few of the um, authors I've in, I've interviewed recently have sort of created like a soundtrack to go with their books and uh, ah. um, using different um, types of mediums as well. Um, and I noticed that you um, work in gaming and things like that as well. Has any of that any of those? Um, it, overlapped
1: together you know that's a great idea they haven't I do work in a lot of different uh I did actually in fact write a a duet with Trump a rap duet with him (laughs) uh at one point which I think is amazing and funny um but I didn't I didn't haven't done much of that with this book. this book was pretty straight uh text and writing Mm -hmm. um although now that you say it I think uh a lot of people who have read it and are giving me feedback have said that there's so much water in it I mean a lot the majority of it, it does take a long time in the beginning for them to 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 end up on the boat uh, in some ways I develop all the characters but uh, a lot of the book has a lot of water in it and people have said that they go, sort of get this this sense of, of water everywhere mm. and the book is sort of inundated by it it would be interesting to uh, to work with that if I was trying to do some sort of soundtrack or even even just a trailer or something fun mm-hmm. like that. Um, but no, I can't say I did. I can't say that I have tried that, but it's a good idea. I like it.
0: <laughs> I'm more jealous of those artists that have more than one talent. I'm uh, pretty much a one-trick pony with um, I can write, but I'm not musical and I'm not good with visual art. Uh, so I'm always uh, in awe of people that can um, have more than one skill um, yeah, and yeah. are good at them all as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think if I drew things for it, that would that could be humorous at best. Maybe some stick figure interpretations.
0: <laughs> um, and so, what other sorts of work are you working on at the moment, Alan? Or is it all touring?
1: Well, well it's funny because. Um, uh you know i finished this i don't know six uh eight months ago i don't know i turned in the final draft and, and whatnot and i found the it, finishing it very difficult I actually had corona when i was finishing it which oh, was nice. which i didn't know how uh, was like, why is it so hard to finish um but uh but it, it went well but it was very tiring and so in a lot of ways i'm super happy to be running around and you know talking to folks and going to festivals and going on a book tour just to sort of give myself a break um but i have found myself writing shorter things having ideas mm. uh, kind of creep back in you know I'm kind of resisting and thinking okay the brain needs a break uh, but I did recently the other day I saw I was in uh, Perth and I swear that I saw a bird meow maybe oh. you guys think this is normal but I've never <laughs> seen it this bird was making the weirdest sound and I thought aha this could be a short story where uh, a bird wakes up one day and he's roaring like a cat uh, and, and what is his, uh, his partner think about that I thought okay this might be something Anyway, to
0: Australia. Our yeah. Don't do what I, have
1: to to do. I have yet to see a kangaroo. I have yet to see a kangaroo. I'm ready. Where are the kangaroos? Bring them to me.
0: <laughs> be careful they do in certain areas they will be just hopping down the street.
1: <laughs> wow, I'm ready. I'm ready to be happy or afraid, I'm not sure.
0: So when you were beginning to write her death was also water, where where did the original idea come from for the story?
1: Well, as I sort of mentioned, in the very beginning, I was using it as, in some ways, an escape. I thought to myself, I want to write something that's not connected with my life, it's, that's an escape from, you know, I, I'd sort of moved away from everybody I knew, uh, moved to a very different place, was living there alone. It was a dark and rainy place. So I thought I could write something called fiction. Uh, but as the more I wrote, it, the more sort of my life, the people I've known, the characters I've known, my experiences Sort of slipped into it. And now the more I talk about it, it's interesting. The more I talk about it, the more I recognize in almost all the characters, even the ones who aren't so nice, uh, parts of myself and realize that in a lot of ways I was exploring, uh, what it means to leave home completely and leave your world, um, and end up, I'm, I live in Norway now, um, and it looks like that's where I'll, that's where I'll probably stay, although I guess it's a very international world. Um, but, um, but doing that with sort of bravery and courage and saying, uh, this is my life and I'm going to be across the water perhaps forever. Uh, and that's part of what the book takes on. Um, and then it's also, I do tell, I do tell people sometimes I don't write fiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just mix and match. I just take, I just blender different personalities that I've met over time. and Um, So in a lot of ways, the book did fill up with things I'm interested in exploring, uh, one of which is sort of masculinity. Uh, Even though the main character is a young woman, she faces men who think of women in very different ways. Mm. Um, And they're not good or it's not just good and bad, it's just very different ways uh, of thinking about their relationship with women. And that affects her because she's stuck on a boat with them.
0: And how have the critics accepted your work? Have, Have you been getting good feedback
1: yeah, yeah, I have, I have. Um early on, I got some very good reviews, which are, which are very nice, sort of the early reviews, which we were able to put into the book, so that made me very happy. Some people I really respect. And I, now we're just, because it came out, technically it came out Tuesday, uh, which is, what's it, Thursday, two days ago, uh, we're just getting reviews, uh, in Australia, and, you know, looking to Goodreads to get people on there, things like that, read your reviews, Um and I just got an email, Today, because I'm doing these events with, with writers that I've met or writers that have, have agreed to do question and answers. Uh, and I got a list of questions today for one of my, one of my, uh, launches in one of these, uh, is it Brisbane? It's one of the towns I'm going to. Uh, oh, Canberra, Canberra. I say everything wrong. Canberra, Canberra. Yep, um, it. and yeah, and she, and she sort of pointed out these different things that I hadn't thought about, which gives me, uh, it makes me excited because for a while I didn't really want to open the book and think about it. I was done with it. Mm. Um, But now going back and thinking about what these reviewers are saying and how they're talking about it and the things they're emphasising has actually been quite nice. Uh.
0: And how did you find writing it through COVID? Because the world has changed so dramatically for us all. Did that steer your writing?
1: Well, it's interesting. I, I was happy that I didn't pick a plague. I picked a, a <laughs> sort of world-ending calamity. Of course, I did pick flooding, and, and now I hear there is a lot of flooding in Australia, mm. so that's, uh, you know, I don't know how that will affect anything. But, um, but it, uh, I think I finished, you know, I, I thought it was done before corona, mm. and then we actually decided to wait to have it come out, um, because we wanted to wait till I could come down here and do a launch and do a tour. Um, which was nice of my publisher. My publisher's uh, Midnight Sun Publishing and a solding over there is amazing. It's been very patient and kind with me. Um, and so during that time, since I am sort of addicted to, to editing and writing and, and changing things and tinkering, which I love, uh, I was, it I was mean able. You couldn't leave it alone. I couldn't leave it alone. No, <laughs> she, she finally had to tear it out of my hand. She said, Alan, stop change. Stop working on it. It needs to be done. But I got two extra years. Which I'm very thankful for because it gave me a chance to to work on it more. I love I love tinkering.
0: That is a, a decision you have to make when you're writing. Is when it, when is it done? Because sometimes you can write it and it feels really good, and you'll submit it to someone to edit, and they'll they'll tell you all the things that need to change, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so and did I have you this... get that feeling of of oh it's finished now, or did you want to keep changing? Well,
1: I have this weird, I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, you know, Every time I have a deadline, every time I finish it, I go, okay, it's pure genius. And then four weeks later, if I look at it again, I'll say, okay, let's start changing things. Let's start working on this. I can make this better. Mm. And I, I was originally a poet, and so I really like to work on texts that are about one page long, yep. and I love to perfect them. And that's just, that, that doesn't work for a novel. Novels are just so huge mm. um, that uh, you end up killing yourself if you try to edit like a poem.
0: And were you teaching while you were writing?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been yeah, I went to Norway for a job as a professor there. The the professor seems not so good in the States, the system. I've been hearing some stories about Australia, but the system in the States is, is tough. It's a challenge to get a job, uh, a realistic job for someone who's, who needs to make a living. So I ended up going to Norway for this job in this little town. Um, and uh, yeah, I was teaching, uh, doing research, writing essays, uh, conferences, all that stuff. Um, a professor, you know, it's a job where I study literature, I teach literature, so it's pretty connected with what I'm doing in a lot of ways.
0: Did you find that your work was ever affected, like if you're reading students' work all the time, are you also finding that affects your own work?
1: Well, I don't teach creative writing anymore. I did teach creative writing for years in the States, and when I went to Norway, uh, they don't have creative writing there as a field, which is interesting. Really? Okay. Yeah. So that was an identity crisis in some ways because I thought of myself as a professor of both literature and creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't, which also in terms of your career is interesting for your, for your CV, for your publications, all of a sudden they don't exist anymore. Uh, so that was more of a personal challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't reading, you know, I read student essays and I have been able to work on some creativity with my students, um, but technically creative writing as far as I can tell. Uh, isn't something that they take seriously as it's taken oh, in the UK no. and in the US. Yeah, so that's I'm hoping to change that to some degree yeah. uh, over time. We'll see. Oh, I'm
0: a bit heartbroken now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of it's a different kind of place.
0: But it is kind of the um, fight that all writers have uh, to be accepted as as a serious career. Like um, I still get a few people sort of go, "Oh, it's just a little picture book that you've got, Kylie." <laughs> Like,
1: yeah. that was hard yeah. work. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, serious. That's not serious work. The serious work is the academic work. I get that.
0: And it, it's um, challenging also when your, your talent is something that no one takes seriously either because um, the best thing that you can produce doesn't necessarily hold any weight with people. Um, so that does a little bit for your self-esteem at times as well. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long road for me and that I mean, probably for a lot of us in that sense, uh, you know, especially when I, in some ways being a professor was nice cover because then when people said, what do you do? I could say, oh, I'm a professor. And they go, oh, well, that's a job. Yes. Uh, whereas before that, I would say I'm a writer and they would say, okay, but what do you really do? Mm-hmm. And I would say, oh, well, I, uh, I'm a teacher or I'm a busboy or I'm a, you know, cook or I'm a, whatever it was that I was actually doing to make money, um, which for me was just to make money. Money, you know mm.
0: I did see in one of your reviews someone referred to you as a magician, and I loved that because um, I oh, do. Did think they? There's a lot of. Um, I'd have to go back and look exactly oh. what they said, but it was about using the power of words as, as in. A, I don't know
1: if I've imagined. seen that one. I've been, so I've been, I've been trying tried to keep track of these.
0: I'll find it again. For <laughs> you. But um, yeah, I really love that there is power in words, and you can use them to evoke, evoke emotions with people in people that you can't do in other ways Um, so it it really is a a special power
1: yeah 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 In this book there are moments where i go i go beyond logic and i have had some questions i think uh and i and i talked to the editor who worked on it with me and she said i think certain people will really love this and some people will have will, will, won't know what to think of it um, because I am trying to push the reader a little bit past what they're used to. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 not a super simple book in the sense that I want to push people to a place where they can um, sort of experience loss in the in the way that it goes beyond logic. You know, if you really lose someone you love, it's it's not really logical. We can say so and so died, but it's the feeling's not logical. And I try to mirror that with some of the events that happen. Um, I don't want to give it away, but there's some sort of when it pushes past reality to magical realism, it's because I'm trying to mirror that feeling of this doesn't quite make sense, um, but it, but I'm hoping it does in, in the overarching narrative.
0: And with your style of writing, did you sit down and plot how you wanted the book to turn out, or are you more do you just sit down and write?
1: Unfortunately, I didn't. I think if I do this again, I will certainly do more more um, more uh, outlining because I did end up having to outline. But I would do it after I had written an entire draft, and then I would go and I would rewrite the entire draft, and then I would rewrite the entire draft, uh, which can become very, very tiring as you go. It's, it's, and that was sort of my experimental approach. I said to myself, I will sort of experiment with things. There was a forty-page section, uh, a character that I put in one summer when I was uh, I was uh, in France for a summer, and ended up coming out completely, which is a lot of work yes. that went nowhere. But uh, you know, there you go.
0: Um, and is that, um, something would you have taught your students to write in that way if you were running a course?
1: It's a good question. I I think, I mean, we're all different in writing and I think, you know, some people say they're outliner, some people say they're not. I think if you're willing to pay the price and I think this one time I, I really was because it allowed me to write a book I never would have been able to outline in the beginning. Now I can outline it. Now I can talk about it. I can sort of explain it, but I don't think I ever could have. Outlined a book like this in the beginning, um, but it was very long. Uh, it was very tiring, and I think that that's doing that once is good. I think next time I will try. Although I, I love to try new things. Yeah. You know, I'll, I think I'll try something different and see. Um, but I did approach it like a poet who takes can take an entire poem and turn it on its head and see what happens mm. because there's less words. Yeah. So.
0: And do you do slam poetry at all, or are you just a written word poet?
1: Yeah, I was. I did do performance poetry, never quite uh, the theatrical level of, of slam. I would mostly do music and poetry. Uh, this was, uh, you know, back. 15 years ago or so, and when I was younger, I would have musicians. I would have jazz musicians play with me. I would do like drummers with myself. I would put beats out, uh, and I have done some silly raps, which if you look deep online, you can find <laughs> <laughs> one with Trump, which I think is genius, um, and a phone call he made where he tried to overturn the yeah, the election. Uh, yeah, anyway, but um, but no, in terms of sl- I've seen really you know theatrical performances in terms of slam, uh, which I'm very impressed by. You know, I love theater. I love sort of rhythmic things. People do. Uh, I've never quite done that, uh, and uh, I am impressed by it. I am very much impressed.
0: Mm, I'm always very impressed by slam poetry, and the, I, I'm always yet yeah, amazed by people who can control their, um, I guess, their keep their composure and make things come out the way they want them to. Because I'm, I'm a person who I get a bit flustered sometimes, i like, I don't think I could stand up and deliver that sort of performance so i'm I'm always like oh gee that's so clever
1: yeah yeah it's very impressive i was just at um i'm gonna forget his name now i was just at the ubud festival in bali and i was on a poetry panel uh, because I have a poetry book coming out next year and so they decided I said, okay I guess I could be on this panel um, and there was a performance poet there and he did a lot of sort of uh, Sounds and sort of howling and beeps and noises and kind of humorous uh, Echoes and things that I hadn't seen before and that was a lot of fun for the audience
0: So how close do you think poetry is to rap?
1: Uh Oh Interesting question. I often make jokes about this for me. They are they are genres which Provide different obstacles or rules. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, play. I did play a lot of guitar and had a band, and I wrote a lot of blues. Yeah. And I love blues because the form is very simple, right? Like you know, like 12-bar blues. Um, but within that form, you have lots of variety. But it's very clear that when, you know, you can't sing about certain things. You can't use certain words, mm-hmm. and so you have this very clear uh, frame of of your topics, your themes. Uh, but within that, it's very, very challenging to pull off. And I think while there's a lot of flexibility, there's lots of kinds of rap now, I think. Yeah. Um, it is, there's very clear rules, you know. And so oftentimes when I say I'm a rapper and I show people my raps, so they say, oh, that's spoken word. Um, because it's a little too complex. It's yeah. a little too poetic. And I say, okay, fine, it's spoken word. Um, but I sort of like to pretend like it's, like I do riffs, like I do a, a disp, a diss rap, like a diss poem, <laughs> right? I put somebody down which is sort of a tradition in rap in some ways but mine is is, is sort of a quote nerd doing it so I say things <laughs> like you know I'll check out books on your library card and I won't return them things like that <laughs> anyway
0: uh, I'm always the person who thinks of what I should say later I go, oh I should have said that so I would not yeah. be a good rapper because I'm not quick enough
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well, that's, that's free that's freestyle a lot of rappers memorize what they do you know and they mm. have these little riffs so yeah freestyle would be very uh, very challenging
0: Okay, so now I ask a few quick-fire questions of my guests, just so that our listeners can get to know you as a person a little bit.
1: Quick-fire? Um, yeah, sounds so scary.
0: <laughs> now, so I'm just going to ask you, what was your favorite book growing up?
1: Oh, quick-fire. Okay, do I need to say quick answers? Um, you, you
0: can answer as you please as well. <laughs>
1: As I please. Okay, okay. You know, it's, it's funny... Um, I did actually listen to your to, to your last podcast, and so I, I did hear a question like that, so I thought to myself, what if she asked me that question? Oh, no, I better be ready. <laughs> um, and uh, I did – I remember in, in – I'm embarrassed actually to tell you my favorite book. In fourth grade, I was very proud. I read every book on the shelf of my school. It was kind of a little hippie school. You know, not that many books. And so I have two answers, one embarrassing and one cool. I'll give you the embarrassing one. I don't know why it's embarrassing. I love The Little Princess.
2: Oh, I don't know If you're familiar
1: okay. with this book, yes. I don't know why I loved it. I just, I, I desperately loved it. It's about this little princess, and I don't remember much about it. Um, but uh, for some reason, I think because she's a person who lost her entire world and then had to make her way mm-hmm. through the world, which is a lot of, in a lot of ways what my book is about. So maybe that stuck with me. But the other book I loved was The Crystal Cave, and The Crystal K was a book which I don't remember anything about, and I remember trying to read it, and it was way too advanced for me, and I couldn't understand a word, but I loved still trying to read it. It was like a secret code, and I was just try to work my way through it, um, and I couldn't understand it, but I felt like there was there was something magical in those words if I could just get to them. So those are my two answers.
0: The love of learning. That's great <laughs> to hear that you, you were wanting to learn. Um, so if you could be any book character, who would it be?
1: Oh, any book character um any book character that's a tough one wow there's just so many books um it's funny because i've spent most of my life in in illusion and fantasizing about maybe being i wanted to be a professional basketball player when i was in high school and college um and now it's almost like i'm just trying to settle down i'm trying to get married to have kids and do all those things but my life has just expanded to norway to, to australia So I almost want to say, like, this is the first time in my life where I don't want to be a book character. I just want to be a simple, boring person who just has, like, a white picket fence. Um, uh, Yeah, I I, I was often – I don't know. This is probably cliche, but I was often – characters who had magic powers appealed to me Mm. very much, you know, so I could say Harry Potter. But I think as a kid, I wanted to be a superhero. And I really wanted like a spider to bite me and, you know, I wanted something to happen where suddenly I'd wake up and have like X-ray vision or uh, I read the Marvel comics and I was hoping like I could spin webs. Um, my brother and I as kids, we used to uh, practice flying. we put on these capes and we would measure our flight. We would dive across the yard. and We'd measure. We'd be like, look, if we practice every day, pretty soon we'll be, you know, we're very Puritan work ethic. Someday we'll have to fly. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Batman because he can't really fly, but, but he's still a superhero. And that yes. was kind of like me as a kid. That's my final answer. (laughs) Do I I pass? I pass.
0: We we love DC Comics in my house, so you've passed there with Batman. So what are you reading right now?
1: Well, I did, you know, I'm traveling, and so I've been going to these book festivals and making long lists of all the books I'm going to order when I get home because my luggage, I think I get like 20 kilos out of India, which is nothing. It's like barely my shoes. Um, but I couldn't resist, I did see Cormac McCarthy's new book, mm-hmm. uh, $45, hardcover, which I never buy, The Passenger, and I've loved him over the years, not because I find him riveting, or even sometimes interesting, but his words are wonderful, mm. and I have to admit, I read the prologue, or the first chapter, and I really didn't like it, really didn't like oh, it, no. but it's just, it's just weird, <laughs> yeah, the guy with flippers. I think I'm going to leave it here, um, but now I'm in chapter one where it's more normal. There's like a plot. There's these divers, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that I'll that I'll like it. Uh, so that's. I also have uh, the fault. The Fault in Our Stars. The Fault in Our Stars, which I'm also uh, working on, which is a little bit not lighter, I should say. Uh, no. <laughs> but but yeah, it's not lighter. Um, but it does have humor. It is a little faster. Uh, so those are the two right now.
0: Okay. So, if you could have five literary people over for dinner, who would they be?
1: Five literary folks. Okay. Um, well, I did just I okay, here, so I'll th- I'll do the modern, the modern contemporary answer in some ways. I did just meet two writers, Mirandy Bruewel and Laura Jean McKay. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They were in Ubud and they were they're very nice to me and and I did It's funny because I'm I'm not that familiar with Australian writers. I meet people and I'm always careful to say, uh, is your, is your most recent book? Do you have a, do you, instead of saying, do you have a book? Do I say, do you have a most recent book? And, cause half the people I meet are like famous people. <laughs> um, and so there are these writers who are like, you know, I've won awards, I've written all these books, but they were just so nice and kind to me, uh, at this, at this festival. So I think I would invite those two mm-hmm. and I think they're coming to one of the events and the one in maybe Brisbane. Um, and then, cheeseball that I am, I would invite my publisher, because she's been so nice to me and kind. Uh. Does that count? But finally, high literature, I think I would invite Gertrude Stein.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. And
1: Ernest Hemingway, and I would wow. let, them ar- I'd let them argue with each other.
0: Yep. That would be a great party.
1: Stein would say, i taught you to write. And they would say, would say no, you didn't. Then I could watch.
0: <laughs> okay, so now, this one's a bit of a silly one, but what Hogwarts house are you?
1: Ah, uh. So I did. I didn't read the Harry Potter series, but I had them read to me over the years by a mm-hmm. friend on road trips, which is perfect because uh, they're such good stories. Um, and I, of course, of course, I wanted to be Gryffindor. You know, I was always, I'm always attached to, to that. Um, but I'm afraid that deep down inside, I shouldn't say afraid, but I think that deep down inside, I might be like a closet Hufflepuff.
0: I'm a Hufflepuff.
1: Oh yeah, okay. Well, that,
0: that... I want to be Gryffindor as well, but the test told me.
1: Yeah, see, that's what I think. I think the how would tell me, and I would argue, and they would say, "No, man, like you think you're Gryffindor, but actually, mm. you know, you're kind of a deep down inside, you're kind of a, a Hufflepuff," which I, which I kind of like.
0: I am married to a Slytherin, and he's quite oh, proud of it. So I'm wow. not sure if I should be concerned.
1: Don't tell. I don't think my brother will listen to this. I think my, my brother, who I love dearly, uh, I think he's a Slytherin. He's, a he's cooler Slytherin. than me. Slytherins are, you know, they're kind of cool, maybe yeah, sometimes. That's,
0: I think they are a bit cooler than the rest. Probably. Yeah. Okay. So, what advice would you give yourself if you could go back to the beginning of your writing journey?
1: I think for me, I was a poet for a long time. Um, and I was sort of afraid of writing stories my my father's a storyteller he's very he's very good verbal oral storyteller, and I always respected that, and I always thought that's not something I can do like like poetry speaks to me, I think I have a much i have that that kind of personality, but I loved writing stories, and I think I would have just started writing you know didn't have to be good ones, but just writing stories earlier. Uh, and, and mixing that with my poetry. I, mean, I really, I did not let myself read fiction for like a decade. I would only oh, wow. read poetry, like training. I was very, you know, it's like that Puritan work ethic. I'm going to read poetry every day so I can write poetry. Um, I think I was say, you know what, Alan, you know, try some stories. Why not? Give yourself a shot.
0: Then you have a broader background as well. The more you read, the more yeah, you can for write, sure. I think. sure. So that's all my questions other than what is next for Alan Jones?
1: Well, so next I'm leaving on Sunday for this marathon book tour that we're going to be going from uh, It's like Brisbane, Canberra, Sydney, and I know I said these wrong, uh, Mel- Melbourne, 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 sorry, uh, and then to India and then back to Norway. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun, uh, but I'm going to be tired. And, I've got uh,
0: my ticket for your Brisbane event. Oh, That's awesome. Okay, oh, good, Wednesday good, good. the
1: 9th. Yes, cool. Okay, so I'll yeah. come
0: to that. And all the Brisbaneites, please go buy a ticket it's free
1: (laughs) yes it should be fun yes it's free yes these events are mostly free so that's good yeah and i'm i like i think it's fun i think uh yeah i think it'll be a good time
0: amazing well thank you very much for joining me alan and uh, sharing your work with all of us aussies we appreciate it
2: yeah thank you so much writing stories for children can seem like a very simple task but there is a skill involved in bringing memorable characters and their worlds to life Anyone can write a picture book, but not everyone can write a picture book that becomes a child's favourite bedtime story. The best children's picture books fire up their imaginations, evoke emotion and stay within their memories forever. Authors Online was created to provide aspiring authors the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to become a published children's book author. Our extensive industry knowledge will be shared with you and provide you with the basic principles behind writing for children, picture book publishing guidelines, and updates on the current market and publishing environment. And as a special offer for Totally Lit listeners, if you go to authorsonline.com.au, you can apply the discount code of LIT20, that's lit two zero to access discount content at authorsonline.com.au.
0: Totally Lit is an independent podcast. You can help support us to continue to chat with wonderful Australian creatives by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our socials with your friends. You can also make a contribution at www.buymeacoffee.com. This will also help with equipment and podcasting platform fees, etc. I love to interact with our listeners so feel free to say hello either by email or social media. My email is totallylitpodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook, Insta, LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, I've also recently created a group on Facebook called Totally Lit Writing Community. It's a space to continue the conversation and share your writing successes, events, launches and latest projects. Jump into the group and say hello. Now, Alan is currently touring in Australia. We're so lucky to have him here. He will be in Brisbane on the 9th of November at Books at Stones, Canberra on the 15th of November at King O'Malley's, Melbourne on the 16th of November at Buck Mulligan's, and at Eltham Bookshop on the 17th of November. Um, I'll include a link to his website uh, in the show notes, so if you'd like to go to one of his um, book launch events, you can catch him there. Thank you for listening to Totally Lit, and don't forget to go out into the world to read, write, create, ignite.